City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the episode of The Stinger. I'm your host, James Plara, and joining me this week, Jeremy Brenner from the Kiss of Death Houston Rockets podcast. Jeremy, how you doing? What's going on, James? It's, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. But we are both one and the same. Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes losers. Uh, we are the losers. So it's actually going pretty down bad where we are. But you know what? We make the best out of the situation at hand. We are we are the NBA punching bag. Like if 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 anyone ever wants to uh, make fun of someone, their go to ones right now are the Hornets or the Rockets, and it's it's one of us two, right? Every time. Mm, um. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put that title on more the Hornets side than the Rockets side. Granted, look, the Rockets the last three years not so good, but it's because. They they've built they like they've put themselves in this position. The Hornets have kind of this is true. Stuck. The Rockets are doing this, and I look. This is a Hornets. I'm I'm already doing a horrible job trying to get on the listeners' good side. I'm assuming most of your listeners are Hornets fans. That will be the case. And you are you're right. You are doing a horrible job. But look, that's what you're here to do, right? You're here to represent the Rockets. You got you got to do what you have to do. That makes sense. The reason you are coming on the podcast today is we're going to talk about some trade back options some discussions because it has been floated out there uh rafael barlow just tweeted out the other day that charlotte is doing its due diligence and is rumored to be open to trading down a few spots in the lottery houston are a few spots back in the lottery sitting at number four with a bevy of various picks and are also probably very gutted i mean i'm guessing even if you weren't going to get victor Wembanyama, i'm guessing you and the rockets fan base had their eyes firmly set on scoot henderson is the next guy is that fair to say that is fair to say, James. I will say this. It's, you know, the Rockets, uh, the biggest thing for this offseason for the Rockets is getting a new head coach, which they've done, and, and a new point guard. Uh, preferably a veteran point guard, but 
if you've got someone like Scoot Henderson, um, he's a guy that can, uh, you know, you can build a team around him. And he has the ability. He reminds me a lot, James, of like Russell Westbrook, John Morant, uh, you know, like Derrick Rose in his prime, like those guys. And Derrick Rose in his prime often gets overlooked, but that is who Scoot Henderson reminds me of the most, I would say. And if, if I could, if we could bottle that one MVP year that Derrick Rose had before the ACL injury and, and we can like get a do over, I feel like that's what Scoot Henderson could be. And I would love to have him in Houston. So if you're doing your due diligence and offering uh, a trade for me representing the Rockets, I, I will gladly do my due diligence and listen to what you have to say. Yeah. And, and just how motivated do you think Houston are to move up here? Do you think they're like, there's been the report out there that they're content with the options they have it for. Do you think that's, you know, expectation management? Do you think they're going to be really proactively looking to try and move up here or, or do you think it'll be like, Oh, if the deal makes sense, what's your, what's your kind of grasp on the situation? Well, there's a price to pay if the Rockets want to move up. And the thing with the Rockets right now is there's not a whole lot of assets that the Rockets are willing to part ways with mainly because they're all really young and it's, you don't really know what you have in a lot of these young assets. You know, anyone that is probably on the table that the Hornets would want in, in a potential trade with the Rockets would probably have to incorporate someone that was drafted within the last two years. And the Rockets are, you know, they've drafted, I want to say it's seven rookies in the first round in the last two drafts. So that, and, and, the Rockets still don't know how all of those guys are going to fit in if they are going to fit in. So to, to part ways with them, it might feel a little premature and it might feel a little uh, difficult. Um, And so I, I I imagine that in order for a trade like this to happen, the Rockets are going to have to give up uh, current assets and future assets. And another thing with that too, is you don't necessarily want to give up future assets either because you don't know how those are going to play out uh, as well. So it's a very, you know, catch 22 position for the Rockets right now. Um, and I, I look, they'll listen to all these offers for sure, but it's going to take the very right situation to to pull the trigger and go and try to do something. And in terms of those future assets you talked about, I tried to look at the future draft capital of the Houston Rockets. It is some of the most complicated reading. I mean, I'm used to complicated draft, like, you know, this pick conveys on X and Y. But there are these like three way Oklahoma City, Brooklyn. I was going to uh, say, go read Oklahoma City's future. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's makes- so much like intertwined, and it's the better yeah. or the least. From your point of view, what do you count as like tradable future assets for that is available that you think the Houston could put on the table in this deal or any other deal? I think any year where the Rockets have multiple first round picks, it's worth trying to give up at least one of those picks. Um, so that you have, cause that was kind of the idea when they made the hardened trade to begin with is you have all of these, you know, they, they traded, it was all future assets. They didn't end up getting like tangible, you know, legitimate options because they were trying to tank. And so they, that ended up in them getting number two in 21 that ended up being Jalen green. They got Alperen Shangun. They traded some picks to go and Love get Alperen Shangun. Yeah. 
you will not meet another Alperin Shengun uh, stand bigger than me. I had Alperin Shengun on draft not available, night. James. On. Don't even think about it. <laughs> I had Alperin Shengun ranked fifth on my draft board on draft night. I was I was desperate for Charlotte to take Alperin Shengun. They passed on him once with the James Booknight pick. They then traded back into the first round. I'm thinking they're going to get him. Then they took Kai Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm there with you with the Alperin Shengun fan club. I'm, if I'm not the founder. I'm a, a co-founding member. I I welcome you as the co-founder for the Alperin Shengun fan club. But Great to be. he he is off the books in my opinion. Um, I I think the Rockets' future is probably most linked towards him than anybody mm. on this current roster that isn't named Jalen Green. Like it's and it's tough. Like him and Jalen, I feel like are right there. Like one A, one B in terms of who I well, would. Are you, are you sure we can? Are you sure you can build around a big man who's international who passes the ball and posts up? I, I just don't know if that'll work. No, that, in, that, uh, that sounds that sounds states. ridiculous. How is when has that ever worked in, in the last three years? When has that ever worked? But like I like so the thing is like the Rockets are going to need to give up some future assets and some current assets, and you you think about like. There, in my eyes, there's like three different tiers of, you know, kind of Rockets assets right now. You look at everyone that was there before 21, and that's like Jay Sean Tate, Kevin Porter Jr., all those guys. Like those two guys in particular are not needle movers, in my opinion. I, and, and I don't think that's exciting you either, James. Like it, it does, uh, yeah, I can see it on I your am... face. You're not very thrilled right no. now. <laughs> but then you have that class of 21 where it's, Green, Shingun, who, in my opinion, are off the table. Then you have Josh Christopher and Usman Garuba, who've kind of gotten a, a raw deal. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Rockets brought in four of the top 24 picks in that 21 draft. And it's hard to play all those guys at the same time. And then you bring in the class of 22. They added another three rookies. Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, who I also love. And Ty Ty Washington. So when you look at those nine assets I've just named, there's three. I like to classify them as three, three, and three. You look at the top three that are untradeable, in my opinion, Jalen Green, um, Alper and Shingun. And I would honestly put Tari Eason ahead of uh, Jabari Smith. I think that Tari Eason is like... Look, and and Jabari Smith can, can kind of be interchangeable with Tari Eason in a way, but... I feel like I think Tar Eason is going to have um you're gonna we're gonna look back at this draft and I think we're gonna look at Tari Eason a lot more favorably than J- Jabari Smith, who was the number three and, pick. And Chris, do you think do you think you are uh alone in that view? Or do you think there are members like do you think the do you think it would be reasonable to uh, to think that the Houston front office might have that same point of view? Um I don't know if the I think the front office feels very strongly about both Jabari and Tari. I think okay. they, they are still both uh, considered to be part of the Rockets, you know, future plans. Cool. Um, yeah. And then you look at kind of that middle tier, you'd probably put like KJ Martin, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jay Sean Tate kind of in that middle group. And then you have the the third tier, which is Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba, and Ty Ty Washington, three guys that are probably not going to be very, very much longer in the NBA. 
um, in Houston, at least. I don't think they're, I don't think their futures in Houston are, are long-term futures. Um, but out of those three, I think Usman Garuba might have the longest staying power in the league. I would love to see what another opportunity would look like for him. So if we were to put Usman Garuba and say KJ Martin, someone who's on an expiring deal that is restricted free agent after the season. So you can match that. Like that's kind of the offer that I think the Rockets would look to move up just two spots. Like, let's keep in mind, Jane, this is just two spots here that we're, we're moving up. So the Rockets aren't going to want to give up all that much to, to just move up two spots. Now, granted, it's the difference between Scoot Henderson and Eamon Thompson. Now, Eamon Thompson and Scoot Henderson both are very polarizing prospects, in my opinion, because they neither of them played the um, – Neither of them really played the traditional route of going to college that one year and all of that. They've played in different leagues. Granted, Scoot Henderson is playing in the more, you know, established G League versus Eamon Thompson, but it's really hard to deny either of their talents, um, especially Scoot Henderson. And so that's why the Rockets would try to move up. Um, but in my opinion, um, James, like it's going to have to take a ma- a monster offer for the Hornets to trade away from two. I don't see how it happens. I think the Hornets should stay at two and take Scoot and call it a day. So I would agree with you. I think they should stay at two. I have to say, Mitch Kupchak has made some quotes. Even after draft night, he was going on about how you look at the mock drafts as a clear top three. He said, I would take that with a pinch of salt. Um, He's like, I think there's a lot of good players in this draft. Even if we hadn't moved up, he thought we would have got a very good player. He was like, Laying all these seeds, I felt, of like, you know, we we like guys who maybe aren't at to maybe just as much. Like, that's how, like, reading between the lines, you start to, like, feel that some of that. And like I say, there was that report that came out the other day. So that's my personal view. I agree. I think, I don't think they should even entertain it. But we, we have to go through this exercise. And I really do think there is maybe something here. Like, if they've got Cam Whitmore, two in their board, like, maybe they do want to, drop further back, all right, and pick up uh, an asset. So, I mean, I was having a look here. So, Alperin Shangun, you said he's off the table. I think that's fine because I don't think he really fits with Lamelo Ball that much either. Like, Lamelo, the type of play, the type of pace the Hornets want to play at, the identity they have. Like, I think there's different styles, and that's that's good. I'm not saying it's a bad style. It's just it's just different. So, I think that's fine. I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, suggesting you put Alperin Shangun. Tari Eason, interesting that you... You know, it sounds like he's almost borderline untouchable for you. Again, I don't think the Hornets could have drafted Tari Eason last year. They, they had the have. 13th and the 15th pick, and they, they chose to pass on him. Yeah, which at the time I would have been quite happy with Tari Eason. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I liked Tari last year, but they chose not to, which again shows to me like they did not have Tari ranked. It's not like they were desperate to get Tari Eason and never could, and now they've got the chance to. So I'm presuming that they wouldn't even necessarily be interested in, in Tari that much. And like you say, all those other guys, like they might be nice, like sweeteners to the deal, but they're not the foundation of anything. So for me, it comes down to a few things. Um, one, if you're putting Jalen Green on the table, which from what you said there, and, and there's been some reports out there in the media that the, they might look to move on from Jalen Green. But if Jalen Green was available, the other one is Jabari Smith Jr., um, who was my number one rack player last year. Um, I would change that now if I could go back, but I still do believe in Jabari long-term. So I've put together a couple of trade packages. Again, not that I support these, but if I am 
if I had Cam Whitmore as my second rank player, then I would support these. If that if that makes sense. Um, so I'm going to run a few past you, and you can you can throw them out. You can sit on them for a little bit, or if you like it, we can discuss them further. So are you happy for me to throw some your way? Throw them my way, James. I'm ready. Okay. So let's get a point guard in Houston. All right. I'm sorry, it's not Lamelo. Terry Rozier in the second pick for Jabari Smith Jr., Kevin Porter, and the fourth pick. For Charlotte, this is creating space at number four for maybe whoever they draft. Uh, moving on from Terry Rozier, the starting shooting guard. Uh, Kevin Porter is more in there as a salary fill. He's got a lot of unguaranteed money uh, on his contract, which Charlotte could get out of quite easily. But the real price here is essentially you're moving back from four to get to Jabari Smith Jr., who is a defensive, hopefully could be a shot maker or a three-point shooter. That's what we thought we were going to get. What are your thoughts on that first proposal? No, thank you. Okay. And, and <laughs> for the reason. Um, here's the reason. Um, I personally think, and I don't want to like spoil any of like your future deals, um, yeah. but like, I just have a hard time seeing the Rockets give up on Jabari Smith after one year and he's not even 20 years old. Like I just think that the Rockets are at least willing to give Jabari Smith one more year. I don't think that the difference between Scoot Henderson and Eamon Thompson for them is worth giving up. uh, Jabari. Exactly. That that's the crux of the question right there, isn't it? Is the difference between the two that big they're willing to sacrifice the number one pick last year. I mean, I mean like they lose the they lose the like the, the PR battle. Like to say that you've got it that wrong. That's a lot of people in the Houston Rockets. One year later, basically holding their hands up and going, "We fucked up." Yeah. What does that say about? And to be honest, like yes, Jabari had a rough start to the year, uh, and I think that maybe people expected him to play a little bit better because he was the number three pick. But he was also the youngest out of all these prospects and probably the most raw out of all these prospects. Jabari was never going to be an immediate product. And that's the thing about the Rockets is all the players they've gotten, none of them were immediate, like, instant guys. And so I think when it comes to Jabari Smith, it's going to take a little bit of time. But I do think that Jabari has a potential to be a number three or a number four on a championship team someday. Or a number two... Uh, on a not so good team which is where he is kind of right now absolutely and i would agree with the outlook on like the long-term jabari i think he's one of those i think he helps a good team a lot better than he carries a struggling one i think that makes sense um my next one is not including any players it is simply using a bit of the model of the markel fultz trade so boston were number one they traded back to number three and they picked up an extra first round pick from Philadelphia. That was that was the trade. We get an extra first and we get the guy who at the time was number one on Boston's board. Um, so, like again, this is where I was trying to read into like what first round picks you can put forward. What would you say is the, the best quality first round pick you would be willing to include in that kind of deal? The one I maybe looked at was a 2025 first round pick, which is Houston's own. Because I think a lot of the rest of them are like the a net pick or a, like, uh, which I, again, it's hard to know where they're going to go, but I don't think they're going rebuild mode. I think they'll be competitive-ish going forward. Um, I don't even know what would have more value, a Nets pick or a Houston pick right now. It, it's kind of in, in like three years. It's hard to, it's hard to guess, but any, any picks that you think you'd be comfortable to put on the table there? 
Uh, yeah, and in fact, I'll counter. I'll counter to that. All right. Um, you can have four. You can have twenty. The Rockets do have number twenty pick in this draft, mm-hmm. and a future second. So you're looking at an extra first and an act like an extra first and a high second for yeah. to move up two spots. This so, is this is a deal that I think the Rockets should absolutely entertain because the thing is we I, I just said how seven first round picks over the last two years and some of them are barely able to get any kind of playing time and then you look at the Rockets who want to add another top five pick to this rotation and add veterans and so it's like well what's that number 20 pick gonna do you know so I think the Rockets are going to look to shop that 20 pick in some way shape or form um, probably to get a veteran or to cart- compartmentalize and get some space. So this is probably, I think this is the, probably the best deal you're going to get for Rockets. Okay. I think 420 and a high second um, is, is probably worth it. Or honestly, if you want to take one of those Houston picks and have them heavily protected, like top 10 protected in 25, I think the rock, like to me, that doesn't sound like a whole lot either. Um, so that's definitely something that I would consider because for the Rockets, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get one, they're trying to get a guy like what they've done the last two drafts is they've kind of just brought in as much talent in the building possible as possible and see what sticks. They're not necessarily looking for the kind of person that could fit this group or fit. They're just trying to bring the best player available at every single pick that they've had. And they've done that, but they don't all mesh the best way. So getting a guy like Scoot Henderson at number two would kind of f- exactly fit what the Rockets need right now. They need a point guard. Now, granted, getting a guy like Scoot Henderson may not make them the best version of themselves for 2023-24, which is what they're also trying to do because they're trying to not have uh, you know OKC get the number five pick that they were supposed to get. So the Rockets have incentive this year. They have no incentive to tank this year. They have absolutely no incentive because what could happen to them this year is exactly what happened to Detroit where they were the worst team, the whole league yep. and the number five pick if that happened. If the Rockets did that this upcoming season, that pick goes to OKC. So the Rockets want to win this year, but if they were to get Scoot Henderson, that would kind of change things a little bit because that's the kind of player, like I mentioned earlier, James, that's a guy that you can build a team around. And I really think that having him and Jalen in the same backcourt creates a lot of like athleticism problems for a lot of teams. The Rockets would be the most athletic team in the whole league. If they aren't already, I think the Rockets are definitely a top five athletic team in the league right now in terms of just athletes on the roster. Basketball, bottom five. But (laughs) athletes are there. And I think with Ime Udoka, if he goes up trades for the guy that he wants, that is what's going to start turning this ship around. Yeah. So I couldn't completely understand you wanting to offer that deal. And like you say, trade nickels for a dime, whatever the saying is, I don't know my U S currencies well enough to be able to make that, uh, to make, to make that comment. Um, but despite Charlotte having a poor record, what a lot of Houston fans are realize is actually a big roster crunch. They have like, two spaces basically left to bring in people for next year. Assuming they bring in the first pick, assuming they bring back Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, there is a roster issue and Charlotte already have, as well as the second pick, they have 27, they have 34 
they have 39 and they have 41. So they've already got a bunch of early seconds, late firsts, and Charlotte fans are trying to do the exact same thing as you. They're trying to consolidate those into a player. So where I, I think Spider-Man meme. Yeah, exactly. Where <laughs> I think Charlotte would place more value long term is I think they would rather roll over the asset to future years, to down the road. And that's why you talked about that. You know, I mean, I'd obviously prefer for it not to be protected. Uh, but if, you know, that future first round pick, and, you know, we're not going to get into a negotiation for 10 minutes here on protections. That's not great podcasting for anyone. But I think they would lean towards taking on a future asset like that much more so than trying to get more draft picks now in this draft because I think that would be more useful to them down the road in potential trades. I think it would be more useful probably when they are more asset poor down the road. Um, and I just don't think they have the roster space to add more guys. Um, so, you know, that's that would be maybe like you flip 27 and 20 and you get a future first. So that could be another thing, you know, that, you know, Charlotte move up seven spots in the first round this year and they get that future first. That could be another way to like sweeten the deal. Um, but I think any deal, it feels like that would be the path, you know, from our discussion here, that would be the path to go down. Yeah, or or we can always, um, I mean, not for the sake of this exercise, but get a call from that third team. Three team, yeah. three team deals in the draft are very common. So I think that there is a there is a world where this could happen. But I'm sure you've got a couple other deals, so I'd love to hear them. Well, I do have some others, but I don't think they're worth sharing with you from our conversation so far. I, uh, I mean, oh. you don't you don't want to talk about trading Jalen Green away and not to be rude to any of your tier two and three guys of, you know, Jay Sean Tate, Usman Garuba, Josh Christopher, uh, all those guys. They just not even like moving any needle here. Like the, 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 the problem that Houston have had and this Charlotte got the same issue, right? Guys like James Booknight, Kai Jones, is they're young players who drafted quite high, which at that point you don't want to give up on them because you've used assets to use them, but they've also not been in a position where they've upped their NBA value. If anything, like they are worth less now than the pick they were when they were drafted. And Charlotte have had that issue going on for a number of years. So I don't think Charlotte would be looking to like if those guys come to make salaries work, and if it's a you know, instead of a second round pick, they get Usman Garuba like fine, but there is no foundation of a deal that I don't think doesn't include, um, you know, either first round pick equity or a, a serious player from Houston's core, which I can also understand Houston don't want to part with, which is why I think it's more likely to go down that future asset route. Touche. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah. I it, think that's it. That's it, yeah, isn't I mean, it? it? It sounds like the Rockets and the Hornets have very similar positions right now. They're kind of exactly in the exact same spot. They've got players that are worth like building something because they've been building it for a few seasons now. Um, but where is the ship going to go? And that's what this draft is all about. Um, to me, I don't know. The thing is with Charlotte right now and, and kind of it reminds me a lot of where Orlando was a year ago. Um, where Orlando was the top of the draft. And essentially, given the fact that we know Vic is going to go to the Spurs, yep. the Hornets really have the number one pick here. I agree, yeah. And so that's, you know, the Hornets are doing everything in their power to kind of gauge because if someone offers you five picks for 
you know, number two, if someone offers you a deal that you're not expecting, you might as well listen to it. So the Cornets are doing their due diligence. To me, what it reads is smoke and mirrors to get scooped. That's what it reads to me. Um, and then, and then number three, the Blazers will do whatever they do. That's another thing too, with the Hornets is that because the Blazers are looking to trade out of three, the mm-hmm. Hornets have even more power because it's like, oh, well you can jump the team that's trying to get to three. You know, I'm not sure how well, I mean, look at the Panthers, the Panthers, they did that too. You know, we had, um, you know, so many teams trying to trade out of three with the Cardinals, yep. um, in the NFL draft. But the Panthers were like, well, we're just going to trump all of you and go to number one. Um, so that's that's exactly what the Hornets can do here just on the other foot is they can you know, position themselves in a way to where they can get the highest, highest offer. And it's still the highest, highest offer may not be better than Scoot Henderson. So the Hornets have all the cards coming to them and it's going to allow them to make the best decision possible. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And th- but they have, you know, the fan base has some pressure on them. They don't have great confidence in the front office, you know, perhaps understandably over the last, I mean, decade, two decades, depending on how you want to go back. Um, and as great as it is moving up, there's a feeling amongst the Hornets fan base. It's like, oh crap, now there's pressure on us, right? Like there's pressure. We have to make the right decision now. I Like I, I think both Scoot and Brandon are great. I, you know, we're not going to get into the details, but yeah, I really enjoyed talking about this, going through the exercise, getting a, a view from the Houston Rockets side. I think you've got the little bit of a view from the Charlotte side, but I think there'll be a lot of links between the two teams running up to draft night just because I, I, there's already been some and Charlotte were always rumored to be listening to phone calls. So um, are you got anything else to add here before we get out? Uh, we're what, four-ish weeks till the draft? Yep. It's going to be spicy. I really do think things are going to start happening here within the next uh, – once the finals uh, start, I think things are going to start to – to creep up. I don't necessarily know if the Hornets or the Rockets will be involved, but moving and shaking will happen in this draft. It's going to be a fun, fun draft season for sure. Completely agree. Jeremy, thanks a lot for coming on. Find him at the Kiss of Death podcast covering the Houston Rockets. And I will speak to you again. If anything, Houston, Charlotte happens, we will be in touch. We will be in touch, James. Thank you so much.